Welcome to episode 127 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Hadamio. And I'm Hillary Dockerty. Hillary. Hi. <laughs> I'm in my pajamas. Oh, I'm in tracksuit. I have tracksuit life happening. You yes. can't see it, but I'm in my tracksuit pants. And here's the deal. We're in the middle of a tropical storm, yes. people. We are bringing you all the information yes. in the middle of a severe weather storm. Yes, flash flooding yeah. alert, okay? <laughs> I people- risked my life to come here <laughs> for this show. Do you know how many people were sending messages like, oh my God, the weather, you too. Yes. And I was like, yes. bitch, it's going to rain. Like, yes. I, what do you, what's wrong? I know, I'm like, tomorrow's going to be bad. But then I looked and it's going to be done by like two o'clock today. Let's, let's, I'm Not here for it. Not even going to rain. Yeah. I mean, I'd take a tropical storm every fucking weekend over a hurricane coming. Like, that's let's true. Just, that's true. I tropical wouldn't. storm's a baby, baby, like a fetus of a hurricane. Yeah. Is that Ooh. wrong? <laughs> It's not a baby. Not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Um, P.S. Bro, do you? Why are so many people in Ireland downloading this podcast? I Hi. every time, every week, I look. I'm like, it makes me so fuck? happy. Me too. But like, who are you? Can you please send us an email? Yes, I want to know what's email. happening in Ireland that yes. everybody there is listening to this yes. podcast. It's fucking oh my crazy. God. I love it. Like 30 to 40 downloads a week. Yes. Who are who these people? Are you? Is it one giant clan of people <gasps> like fucking on a farm an and they're Irish like, these clan. women, I can't and do potatoes, an Irish accent. And they're potatoes. Yeah. Well, no, let's not now get into all the stereotypes. Yeah, yeah now I'm being offensive. <laughs> You're all redheads with your beautiful yes. pale skin. You like goth chicks? Is that... Is that what you're into or <laughs> what's happening right now? God. Anyway, what, what, what? Send us an email. So the yes. podcast at gmail.com. I want yes. to hear from somebody in and Ireland who's downloading this shit. I want to hear ship. from any of you outside of Florida. How about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess. <gasps> but like Ireland? Yes. <laughs> Ireland and also, Germany. We have a lot of listeners in Germany. Please tell me if you're in Ireland listening to this, please tell me if I'm pronouncing my married last name right. Because Everybody oh. says Doherty, which my son bro- it broke his heart this week when his coach said Doherty. And he was like, my heart broke into a million pieces. Because <gasps> oh. we say Doherty, Doherty, Doherty. That's Doherty how my husband, sounds right. He says that's how they pronounce it in Ireland. My ex-husband said that. And I was like, whatever. I'm, it's my married name. I don't give a fuck how you say it. And well. my kids are like, <laughs> it's Doherty. I'm like, whatever. But tell me if that's right. I'd love to know. I'm going to say that that's right. All right. Just so the way you did it with the little accent. Doherty. sounded proper. Right? Yeah. All right. It reminded me of Father Foodie from St. Coleman's Church. Oh my God. <laughs> he was a little Irish, the Irish priest. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else you got? Um, not much. Okay. Well, I want to, I ma- mean, just, okay. I feel like the state of the world is still horrible and yeah. more mass shootings and. Oh my God. It, it's just like. A mass shooting at a hospital and, uh, that wasn't covered because there was another mass shooting yeah. at another place. And it yeah. was just insane. At another school. There was another yeah. school. So a mass shooting I've been reading a lot about because I want to cover the assault, uh, ban, assault weapons ban, which is very interesting, by the way. Very oh, interesting. Oh, and I wanted to talk about Biden's speech a little bit. Okay. Um, I didn't hear it, but I did see some people. I saw on Twitter, people were like, oh, today I'm so proud I voted for Biden. I was like, okay. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Um, but... A mass shooting is four or more people. Correct. So there's a guy who killed his entire family this week and then himself, which made it five. So that's a mass shooting. Again, it's horrifying. Just as horrifying as if it was 20 kids in a school 
You know, I mean, these guns are, it's out of fucking control. But you know what's crazy? Like when I hear now, when I hear like four or five people, I'm like, well. Right. Right. Like, and then I'm like, what am I doing? No, no, no. I mean, one is too many. But like, we're so, it's like so many numbers all of the time. So this, uh, the assault weapons ban that uh, George hw let expire and then when you look at the chart it like after it expires it was only good for 10 years and it had a sunset provision i don't know why that's where it just can like go away unless the president just signs it again uh the amount of mass shootings after that sunset date is fucking insane it's insane and uh but they they drafted it was diane feinstein in california because there was a there was a shooting at a school in California at an elementary school where a guy just took a gun with his automatic rifle and went to the playground and went oh on the my playground, God. killed children, killed a teacher, like 50 people wounded. But oh that's, that's what the result was is they had the assault weapons right. ban, right? Like right. that, which well, makes sense. They took action. It makes sense. Bipartisan and it was action. Bipartisan. Like it, it's, but the NRA has under just Reagan, been dumping under Reagan and, dumping that and dumping and dumping money, 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 money. And they have, sold the narrative yeah my husband and i were talking about this that even if the because i'm like well the nra is like bankrupt now you know like they they're not doing great my mom but, said but, the same thing but their legacy yeah their story is already out in people's mouths right right and so that's all that they're going to keep repeating and you can't take that back now you know like could you they imagine? did it right they they yeah. did what they set out to do but could you imagine being an organization that has given so much money to keep guns and put, putting guns into dangerous people's hands. Right. You've, you've spent so much money as a lobby to politicians that you've gone broke. Like that's yeah. how fucking much money they have given. It's, it's incredible. So, it's so gross. They've given money they don't even have, right? Because bankruptcy Ugh. is like loans on top of loans on top yeah. of loans that they can't pay back. So they're borrowing money to like just devastate this country. And it's like, why? Why? I don't get it. And the one thing that I was frustrated with with the speech is he said, you oh, know, yeah, he, tell me about this speech. So he did say, like, we need to ban assault weapons. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, but if we can't ban them, and I'm like, damn it, like, yeah. no, just full stop end. And again, my husband and I talk, and he's like, no, he can't do that. He's like, he can't say that. He cannot call for a full ban. I'm like, why? And he's like, because it's not going to go over. He's like, he's got to say like he's got to be realistic about what can actually be done with the people sitting in there and i'm like why can't he do an executive order and i guess because okay i've looked this up yeah of like the second amendment you can't just he's actually done executive orders about gun control in april of this year yeah he literally did a bunch of stuff before uh the shooting in texas and everything he's done as much as he can by executive order right so sorry i called you a bitch yes but yeah, uh, you know, and, <laughs> can we? And can I, you? How about this? Does the president? Can the president put any pressure on people in Congress? Like, can you call them to the White House? Right? Like, can that be a thing? Can you use all the power? Like I said, you. The thing that I was thinking about how Biden has been in the Senate for like how many fucking years, and then he was vice president. Now he's president. The thing is, this you were there when Columbine happened. Like, right. You are here at like the, the big mass, like the starting, which, which I feel like is the starting point of, at least in my memory. Columbine. Yeah, Columbine. me too. And well, then because of that documentary too. Like, yeah. you know, like there's a lot of awareness. But like you were in Congress when that happened. You know what I mean? Like why you've seen the progression of this. There has to be a way we can do something about it without having to have bipartisan. There has to be a way. And this, use, 
your your wisdom and your knowledge. You've been there for so fucking long. What the fuck? I know. There's got to be a way to backdoor this motherfucker. I don't know. And I saw um, Manuel Oliver had tweeted. He's mm. like, yeah, I was kind of hoping for an executive order, but that didn't happen. And the thing I thought, the one thing I thought was a little weird, and well, it was so Catholic. Mm. He ended it with a quote from Eagle's Wings. Like, what the hell's that? I feel like every Catholic knows that song. What? That uh, I'll raise you up on Eagle's Wings. Now I know like, it. Okay, like every Catholic in America sitting there going, what that? What? what? He's quoting Eagle's Wings. And he's like, you know, and he's like, I hold you in the palms of your, you know, he's doing the whole thing. But I was like, wow, like, that's so Catholic. But also the speech is I like, just, I'm sick of like the, the whole. The speech is two weeks after the shooting. Well, he did this one because of the, uh, I think the hospital. I mean, my God. he did the speech after the shooting and then he's, now he's doing well, this other one. Don't ever leave the podium. There's shootings every single day. Just stand up there and uh, sing Eagle, Eagle's Wings. 20, just do it on a fucking loop, Biden. I was like, what? And then the other thing that he did, and this is a whole different subject, but it made me laugh was uh, when Elon Musk, did you hear about this? Mm. Elon Musk was like, uh, I'm kind of concerned about the economy. <laughs> and they asked Biden about that comment. Little Mars, bitch. Yes. And Biden was like, um, he like, took something out of his pocket and he's like, yeah, um, like things are, he kind of brushes it off and he's like, yeah, tell him good luck on that trip to the moon. And then he walks away. I'm like, Ooh, what, Biden? Look at you. Burn, motherfucker, burn. Yeah. Oh my God. So I'm like, okay, there might be some spark. I feel yeah, like there's still some spark in those old I, eyes. I feel like those old pulled back eyes. I feel like Biden is just one of these old school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, politicians. Yeah. And I get that, like, I, I'm going to still say, I guess that's what we needed to beat Trump. I don't like it. I feel like we need to be full on progressive everywhere we go. Yeah. I'm sick of the moderate. Yeah. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. We need to just bulldoze our way. Just like they're far ended it. Like we need to do the same thing. 100%. I, I'm, 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 I, I'm done. And especially like for Florida. No, it's. Oh, oh, and DeSantis. Yeah. Special Olympics. The, the baseball team. Did you hear about those two no. things? So the Special Olympics wanted to require Special Olympics that have children and like people who are performing who have you know, diseases or have life threatening or disabilities. disabilities. They were saying, if you want to participate or attend or whatever it is, you have to have your vaccine card. Yeah. DeSantis said, I'm going to sue you. I'll, char- I'll charge you $27 million if you, cause they're coming to host the event here. So they had to t- withdraw that because oh they were God. afraid. So this is what we have in the state of Florida, a dictator who <laughs> in a private industry has decided something for their own interest. And a state governor then is going to, because he doesn't align with what his beliefs are, is going to try to sue them for $27 million. And these are people that are in the Special Olympics. I mean, he's got to be and then the, the base, devil come to, and then to life. Come the, on. The baseball team, it's like the Tampa Bay something or other baseball team who they were supposed to get like a new facility or mm. like area, whatever. I don't know if it was a state. I don't think it was a stadium, but like facilities or something. And they put some statement out on gun violence. Oh, Uh-oh. he didn't like that. They're not getting their facilities. What? Yeah. This is what we're dealing <gasps> with. Now imagine this man at the helm as president of the United States on the federal level. And people don't do what he wants and how he's going to withhold funding from people in states. Mm. He's crazy. Oh, he's crazy. He's crazy. And we need to beat him. Uh-oh. And we need someone that can do it. Uh-oh. 
I don't know if that's going to happen. And I really feel like Nikki Freed's the only damn person who can do it. She is fucking, she But nobody is. wants to believe in her. Nobody wants to fucking endorse her. Nobody wants to endorse her. I saw that like um, a young Democrat, some kind of organization, colleges. Yeah. I was like, okay, the young people know what's up. But now even progressives that we love, Tina, I sent you a text this week. I, I don't want to mention the name endorsed him this week i don't understand I it i need someone to explain it to mind. me me too i need I someone to sit text. me down i send you the text and me. i go i give up like i don't know what is happening right now why is this happening what is happening why is this going like, on i mean am i it's it's every everything's just money right because we're this sick, I don't disgusting know. capitalistic or, shit so here's the thing Either they're they're hedging their bets and they think he's going to win, right? How? Or I mean, just the primary because there's no fucking way he's, he's beating gonna, DeSantis. He's not going to beat DeSantis. He's not going to beat DeSantis, okay? Or so they be- know something about Nikki Fried that we don't fucking know. They know something that we don't know. Or, or, or she or, can't bring something to the table that they want. Something is going on that I, I, I'm, I'm- There's something. I don't know. Or it's the Biden effect. Or they're banking on- like we've talked about before, that he is the Joe Biden of this election, yeah. the old white dude that well, people kind of know, and he's moderate and he can be trusted, and it's we can get the old people in Florida to vote for him. It's infuriating. That's the only thing. Guess what movie I watched last night? <gasps> what? Well, kind of fell asleep in. <laughs> Sorry. But I watched the part with Charlie Crist, Outrage, that documentary, Outrage. Oh. It's fucking incredible. Where is it? Where can I see it? You can watch. Well, you don't watch Prime. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know Prime. Sorry. Uh, you can probably rent it somewhere, but it's a great documentary. And Charlie Crist is the fucking star of the show, along with Larry Craig and all these other people. And how Bob Norman, who we yes. we know through his beautiful wife, Brittany yes. uh, Wallman, who's a, a Pulitzer Lil Prize Muck. winning a reporter, yes. journalist from the Sun Sentinel and first guest of Lil Muck. <laughs> Excuse Hi. me. Excuse me. Excuse me. And she's amazing. Don't you love all her posts? Yes. She is she's like, ooh. follow her on Twitter, Brittany Wallman. Oh, I love her. She's so cute with those glasses. Yes, oh, her so hair. Cute. She's like always doing fun uh, little like. She's adorable. Just like outdoorsy. Yeah. I don't know. I love like, everything about her. We need to her. hang out with her. <gasps> yes. Let's do it, Brittany. Yay, wine. Yes. Um, Are anyway. you listening, Brittany? <laughs> Please. <I hope laughs> you're listening. Her husband, Bob Norman, in his own right, is an incredible yes. investigative journalism, journalist. And he did a whole bunch. He's the one who exposed Charlie Crist as gay with Ooh. multiple sources. Okay. Okay. So he's covered in this. But, you know, the whole point of this documentary is closeted politicians who vote against the LGBTQ <sighs> community. Right? right. And Charlie Crist, as running for governor and as governor, went fucking hard against the LGBTQ community. As a Republican. Which is why it makes me... Right. Yes. Which is why it makes me fucking sick to see him stand in front of a group that I'm a part of that's an LGBTQ caucus and try to fucking sell his goddamn garbage. He's a shit person. (sighs) He's a fucking liar. And and I I can't take him seriously. You either have values or you don't. And I know that you're like, well, people should change. No. People cannot. This is this is fucked up. And because it was so blatantly d- changed in the middle of a campaign. Fuck you. You don't give a fuck about people. You care about yourself. And mm. you can't win. And you know what? <sighs> Let's do a something. If Charlie Chris wins the primary and beats DeSantis, I will do something. What do you want? <gasps> oh. I will do something. I will. I want to say run down the street naked, but people no, I do not need say, to we'll, see this. We'll have mess. him on Lil Muck. <laughs> 
Oh my God, my stomach. <laughs> I just felt like throw up come in my mouth. Like I just, I wanted, I just felt like very sick. I'm not even kidding. I just like, not like, that, oh. not that he would come because we're, like, we're always shit talking. Yes. It has, by the way, it has been offered. He's been offered on a silver platter and I've said no. Yeah. I've said no. But maybe we'll say yes. That's that's a lot for me. That's a lot. Just think on it. Think on it. Think on it. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm telling you, it goes against everything that I fucking believe in. I can't give him a platform. I cannot. It's just too hard. That's too too much. Running naked down the street is preferable. I mean, (laughs) maybe a titty shot here. Like I'll just show a nip. Like one nip. My mother would die. My mom says nip, which I think is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Your nip showing. Oh my God. Um, Okay. Speaking of gay, um, I wanted to make something clear about my story last week, which when I was editing it, I'm like, girl, you didn't bring up sodomy laws. Like I know the story was about really, I talked about these men that were accused of having sex with underage boys and that's wrong and right, yes like right, we talked right, about all right, that right? right right but who was attacked really who was really gone after are gay men were a- arrested based on these sodomy laws that existed in in um idaho at the time and so i wanted to make that very clear like there is a reason why they were arrested and it wasn't because they were accused of having sex right, with underage boys. Right. The, the, the charges that stuck were the ones for these sodomy laws and so i wanted to read this that the u.s supreme court's 2003 this happened in 1955 by the way that what happened in yeah. Idaho, the boys of uh, Boise. But in 2003 decision in Lawrence v. Texas rendered laws banning consensual sexual activity un- unforceable, including Idaho's. So as of 2021, the state's sodomy law, though unenforceable, had not been repealed by odd Idaho legislators. So still as wow. of last year, that sodomy law that those people were- on the books? Is still on the books. So- that's kind of, I yeah. feel like I didn't really get that across. Like I was kind of, I was more focused on like these underage boys, right, but right, there right, were reasons right. and these laws existed. So, okay. Anyway, are you I, ready? I am. Good. Because I'm going <gasps> hard, bitch. Uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. As hard as a 44 year old white woman can go. Let's do it. <laughs> Which I think is pretty hard sometimes. Oh, Woo! thank you. Oh, damn. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God. So cute. I fucking love this show <laughs> so much. Me too. <laughs> the behind the camera shenanigans Ooh. around here. Ooh. By the way, my son walking in and out of here last week of the could, camera. Could you what see him the, fully? I could I, see him. Oh. And he's looking right at the camera as he's walking through. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, bitch. And I'm yelling, fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm like, I'm Wait, the did worst I mother ever. Um... He was in there a couple. It oh, doesn't okay. matter. It doesn't matter. It's just that I didn't hear him. Yeah. Yes. I I didn't hear him coming. I this tried. Way. To I just cut saw out him coming much, this way, and I was like, you know, "What is wrong with you? We've been doing this for years. You know, you need to stay out of here." It's the age. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. He's precocious. Yes. Okay. Before. Today, <gasps> I am covering U.S. Senator Jesse Helms. Oh, let's go. Ooh, there's a bunch of gasps in the room. We all know who this guy is, right? Strom Thurmond-esque is how I'm calling this guy. Oh, like God. very much so. Like such a piece of shit. Such Ugh. a piece of shit. But Here we it's go. Pride Month. So I want to keep reminding people of how far we've come and the people that Yay. who said very horrible things and then we continue to uplift them even after yeah. they were dead. Like continue to like 
parade them around and clap for them when they're retiring, even though they said some fucking heinous it's, it's shit on the floor of the do. Senate. Like insane. It's crazy what we do. We it is. Um, okay, so Helms was born in 1921 in Monroe, North, North Carolina, where his father, nicknamed Big Jesse, served as both fire chief and chief of police. His mother was a homemaker, and uh, he described the Monroe Monroe as a community surrounded by farmland with a population of about 3,000 people. He said, quote, you knew just about everybody, and just about everybody knew you. Oh, so it's a little Sounds town. Sounds awful. Little, little town. Uh, the Helms family was poor during the Great Depression, resulting in each of the children working from an early age, and he required his fir- acquired his first job at nine, sweeping the floors at the Monroe Inquirer, wow. which I think leads li- later on leads in him wanting to be a journalist, because he okay, ends up so doing yeah, that. He's around newspapers. Yes. In high school, he was voted the most obnoxious oh. in his senior yearbook. God. <laughs> I love it so I much. I love that that's even a superlative. Like, all teenagers are obnoxious. obnoxious. Teenagers yes. are just obnoxious. He's the most obnoxious yes. of all of the kids, <laughs> which is fantastic. And, you know, not class clown. Mm-mm. Not That's what I got. That's eyes. what I got. I got <gasps> class clown. My husband got that too. He did. Oh, oh, you guys are twinsies. Hi. Um, he he briefly attended wingate junior college now wingate university near monroe before leaving for wake forest college which we talked about before going on the air today yes he stated his goal that his goal in attending was never to get a diploma but instead form the skills needed for forms of employment he was seeking at a time when he aspired to become a journalist okay so he left wingate after a year to begin to begin his career i'm sorry wake forest to begin his career as a journalist working for the next 11 years as a newspaper and radio reporter first as a sports writer and news reporter for Raleigh's The News and Observer and also as an assistant city editor at the Raleigh Times. Fun. And during World War II, he served stateside as a recruiter for the U.S. Navy. After the war, he pursued his twin interests of journalism and Democratic Party politics. Now, remember, he's a Democrat when it was the Dixie Democrats, right? Yes, yes, yes. So it's just like Strom, he's going to switch in like 70. Yeah. Because... We can't have blacks around here. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Not in my school. Not in my pools. We can't have blacks oh around here. Oh, my God. Um, I don't even, like. I, he's a piece of shit. I mean, it's just so, the, the, just that wanting to hold on. And then they get power, which makes it, like, th- a thousand times worse, yeah. right? Um, he later became the city news editor of the Raleigh Times, and uh, he was a radio and television newscaster and commentator at WRAL-TV. So in 1950, Helms played a critical role. This is when he starts to get into politics Uh um, as campaign publicity director for Willis Smith in the U.S. Senate campaign against a prominent liberal, Frank Porter Graham. So Smith was a Democratic lawyer and former president of the American Bar Association. And he portrayed Graham, who supported school desegregation as a, quote, dupe of communists, as a dupe of communists and a proponent of the, quote, mingling of the races, end quote. Oh. 1950. Why? It doesn't seem that long ago. It's not really. Smith's flyer said, quote, wake up, white people, end quote. Wow. Wake up. By the way, Helms is the one making it. He's the publicity person. Yeah. He's he's creating all of this, right? Right, right, right. And basically the primaries were all white people. Anyway, we're still, black people aren't voting. Like there's still like these, this fear around voting. Right, but God forbid we inch towards anything, right? right? Blacks were still mostly disenfranchised in the state because it's 1900 constitutional amendment had been passed by white Democrats with restrictive voter registration electoral provisions that effectively and severely reduced the role in electoral politics. So they, you know, it's just, why? 
why are we outward like right. saying wake up white people right. when nobody's well, even because it's uh that the, the dog whistle like this is the person that right we want and you know instill that fear of that other candidate yeah. and what that could mean for them and right so he won and hired Helms as his administrative assistant in Washington. So he goes to D.C. And he worked uh, in 1952. Helms worked on the presidential campaign of Georgia Senator Richard Russell Jr. After Russell dropped out of the presidential race, Helms returned to working for Smith in D.C. And then Smith dies in 1953. So, oh. so Helms goes back to Raleigh, North Carolina. And from 1953 to 60, he was the executive director of the North Carolina Bankers Association. And he and his wife set up their home um, in the, the Hayes Barrett History historic district where he lived for the rest of his life and so, 19, for, so for those six years he's not really like doing politics right. he's kind of i did the politics things well now no because he's, he's gonna get into he gets into okay. it again yeah so as he's when he's still working for the bank in 1957 he wins his first election as a raleigh city council uh, member okay and he served two terms and earned a reputation as a conservative who, quote, fought against everything from putting a median strip on downtown boulevard to an urban renewal project end quote like, just says no to everything. everything. Okay. Helms disliked his tenure on the council, feeling all the other members acted as a private club and that Mayor William G. Enlow was a steamroller. Oh, please. You were probably a jerk. You were most obnoxious. And they were like, we're not hanging out with this yeah. idiot. We just want to put a median yes. in the street. Can you fucking just calm down? Jesus. Who's going to do it? Are black people going to do it? Oh, oh no. What are God. we going to do? In 1960, Helms worked on the unsuccessful primary gubernatorial campaign of I. Beverly Lake Sr., who ran on a platform of racial segregation. Lake lost to Terry Sanford, who ran as a racial moderate, willing to implement the federal policy of school integration. Oh, my God. It's like... I, it's, a, it's, like, it's the smallest little thing that they could do is integrate the schools. <laughs> this guy's not for it. I mean, it's crazy. It just... It's, it baffles my mind, and I feel like just as, as like an ignorant white person saying mm. this, that like, I, I mean, we're not living in the best of times, but I'm like, thank God we're, I, oh I, my God. You know, like, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I hate this country. Me too. Oh God. I've said that so many times in the last two weeks. I know. So many fucking times. Helms forced busing and felt Helms felt forced busing and forced racial integration caused animosity on both sides and quote, proved to be unwise end quote. <sighs> So in 1960, he joins the Raleigh-based Capital Broadcasting Company as the executive vice president, vice chairman of the, of the board, and assistant chief executive officer. Oh, wow. Yeah. His daily CBC editorials on WRAL-TV given at the end of each night's local news broadcast in Raleigh made Helms famous as a conservative commentator throughout eastern North Carolina. What? So he just every night uses, so now yes. he's this radio exec yes. and he's like, oh, I'm going to take this yeah. to just spew my own personal bullshit. Yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. Must he's, be nice to have, you know, fucking a television at your disposal. It's like Fox News before Fox News. Yeah. So his editorials It's featured, like a fireside chat, but like yeah, bad. Racist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Fire. I got to write it down. <laughs> fireside chat oh my god but bad that's probably too long <laughs> but we'll figure it out yeah so his editorials featured folksy anecdotes interwoven with conservative views against quote the civil rights movement the liberal news media and the anti-war churches end quote wow among many targets and he referred to the news and observer uh which was his former employer as the nuisance and disturber <laughs> For what his promotion. An idiot. <laughs> for his he's promotion. such a like petulant oh, he's, jerk. Yeah, he's a big baby. He's a big baby. <laughs> yes. 
For its promotion of liberal views in support of African-American civil rights activities, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which had a reputation for liberalism, was also a frequent target of Helms' criticism. He is said to have referred to the university as the University of Negroes and Communists. (gasps) UNC. Despite a lack of evidence and suggested a wall be erected around the campus to prevent the university's liberal views from infecting the rest of the state. (laughs) So, okay. Again, this is a guy who's just an executive at a station who says, I'm the executive. I get my two minutes of time every night and just starts just saying whatever the fuck he wants to say. Yeah. Is that even allowed? Of course. What do you mean? We got the first amendment, bitch. I know, but like how, I mean- most people you got to pay for airtime you gotta, so he just gets it yeah you know and you know also what I mean? like, people like, love shock right so this yeah. guy's on here he's saying uh. these things which by the way maybe this is shocking to us now but maybe it wasn't shocking then maybe people just talked like this people would say these things all the like, time and like, out loud yeah Ugh. and it was like not a thing he said the civil rights movement was infested by communists and moral degenerates commenting on the 1963 po- protests and march on washington during the civil rights movement helm stated quote the Negro cannot count forever on the kind of restraint that's thus far left him free to clog the streets, disrupt traffic, and interfere with other men's rights, end quote. Well, other other men. men's rights. White men. Wow. Well, they're, yeah. they're the only ones that have rights. Basically, it's a threat, too. You can't <laughs> yes. count on us forever letting you do whatever you want, even yes. though it's part of the Constitution right. to assemble, you piece of shit, right. for everybody, not just white people, motherfucker. Wow. He later wrote, quote, uh, quote, crime rates and irresponsibility among Negroes are facts of life which must be faced, end quote. He was at the Capitol co- uh, Broadcast Company until he filed for the Senate race in 1972. Oh, so God. here he gets we go. Elected. Yeah, and I'm just going to talk about this race when he gets in and then a little bit of another race because he runs a bunch of times and wins, but like, I don't want to get into all and, of those campaigns. And, and again, campaigns. I have to say, he's a piece of shit. He's a right? piece of shit. He's garbage. Yeah. He runs. Do whatever you want. You want to run, you want to run. But the people who are worse are the damn yeah. people who elected him because they put him there. Yeah, they over and over the, and over again. And said it's their fault. It's not way. this guy's fault. He's like, well, these assholes are going to keep voting me yeah. in. They like what I'm doing, and and if they like that, he's attacking black people and communists. Like all this stuff. It's like today yeah. with these. Stupid, so what do you do? You don't change uh, course. And greens and all this yeah. crap. You want to get reelected, so you keep up the fucking circus, right? Like you keep up oh the show. Oh my god! Like the fact that that Marjorie Taylor Green. Yeah. Won her primary. Yeah. She, with her, with her, what's the, the latest thing that she said? The, the uh, peach tree dish. She can't even speak. No. She can't even speak. And she's on there with her conspiracy theories and they voted for her. I feel like she's probably really aggressive in bed. Like I, every time I see her, she looks like I'm like, she like wants to like fuck hard. Don't you know what I'm saying? I don't know. She, she to me, <laughs> does her face look like she's just like, no. No, she looks she like someone like hurt somebody with that vagina. I think she's someone that, like it has that teeth. is not. Her vagina has teeth. That's what I'm saying. The man eater. Yeah. Um, she is not. I think that she's someone that maybe needs to uh, maybe have a little something, something. Who's she's, taking on that role? Anybody? Yeah, Anybody no in the room want to take, take a chance at no, that? No, okay. no. Oh, All I know about, I really don't pay. I, I don't watch cable news. I don't want, like, I don't see Biden's speech. I don't know what the fuck's yeah. going on. But like, the only video that's seared in my brain forever with Marjorie Taylor Greene is a video of her that she had set up a camera at, um, what is that shit that like outdoor gym that everybody goes to? Oh, oh like CrossFit. CrossFit. Cross- where she's like lifting up a fucking, like this huge goddamn thing, like, like 300 pounds. And she's like, oh, 
something and she like drops it and she's like so fucking stoked about it and i was like oh my god she's like is she roided out yeah she's like what's happening she's like doing pull-ups and shit i'm just like god damn she's like fucking it's like she's fucking in it but it looked like it was in her basement also. Like, I don't know if this is like a setup. I don't know. Like one side of the room is CrossFit. The other she, side's like whips and chains. Like this bitch is into some crazy maybe, shit. Okay, maybe. maybe. It's, it's a legend. It's a legend. Allegedly. It's just, a, it's just in my imagination. Because I'm sure she's a good Christian woman. Mm, she needs a With spanking, that, honey. Uh, she needs a spanking. Oh, she needs to disappear. She needs to disappear is what needs well, to happen. We, go away that, that we will go have nothing away. to do with when we say no, disappear we I mean, just mean don't go run away. for office anymore yeah that's what i mean yeah, yeah please let's be clear oh, yeah let's, let's be, be clear. clear clear i just nothing. mean go <laughs> far away we really, don't want to look at your face we're not we're not trying we're not trying to insinuate anybody do anything especially like but if no. you're in ireland and you want to come visit and say yeah. hi to marjorie Telegram, please wanna, like, i would love nothing more than to see her in a jail cell yeah, that's what we that's say. That's the kind of thing. Like yeah, just, just Actually, for her, the best thing would be that everyone forgets her name. Absolutely. she's someone that Same just, thing with shit LaMarca. Yeah. You know? Just forget her name, and that would be the biggest punishment for oh. her, is that Go she away. is- Go back to your sorry-ass Kmart yes. life. <laughs> Kmart. She's a total Kmart oh, girl. God, like Kmart. Not that there's really anything wrong with Kmart, but you know what I mean? No. Like, she's in this time thing. Does Kmart even exist anymore? Oh, no. It went out of business. Dang. It did. Yeah. Damn, they had good food at those Kmart. Like, remember the Kmart restaurants with the little diner? Wait, Do you remember what? that? <laughs> you don't? That one over here in Oakland Park had a little restaurant. It was so cute. Oh, wait, I remember that one. Like a little diner. Oakland in like six. Yeah, like yeah. you had a counter. Yeah, yeah. we used to walk mm. to that from my aunt's house. And then the my day. mom would get us um, those knockoff Keds there. Oh. And my sister and I were so embarrassed that we didn't have Ked Keds. And my sister, I swear to Christ, she would die. This is so funny. She took a blue marker. Oh, and she made the little square in she the back. She made the little square, Ked square in the back of her shoes. And I was, I remember thinking how sad it was, but also like, cause she's like, do you want me to do it to your shoes? I'm like, no, that's okay. I don't want, I said, someone's going to notice that you have a fake Ked's blue square. <laughs> Broke ass. <laughs> Kmart Ked's. God, we were so poor. Oh, oh my, my poor mother. My mother's out here in the Florida heat delivering mail. And my sister's like, but I want real kids. <laughs> I was like, I can't do it. I got to go to Kmart oh and get God. you fucking fake kids. <laughs> oh, God. Meanwhile, I take my son to fucking Disney this weekend and get him a double-sided $45 lightsaber. Wow. Right? And my mom's over here with fake kids. And my son's oh. whipping around a fucking lightsaber. But you know what? Like, like the true nerd that he is and it brings me so much joy i'm gonna cry i'm so sorry oh my it's so god oh that was a mom brag 45 dollar. my son has a 45 dollar lightsaber does <laughs> <laughs> your son have fake kids please my my son has the fake plastic lightsaber yeah that's it it's, yeah. a, it's a fake plastic but no no i'm oh. talking about like <laughs> <laughs> oh you know. no it is a fake one because i walked up to the woman all my son wanted to do is build this lightsaber right oh, and i, I go up to this woman about, and i said yeah, yeah. where do we build the lightsaber and she's like do you have, have a reservation and i'm like reservation she goes it's a 60 day wait period to build a lightsaber i'm like bitch i'm from florida like oh, we don't fucking play Disney. like this in disney you can build a real lightsaber that's the 60 day wait 
It's a real one, like, oh, like metal lights, lights, like the the glass, it's glass and the fucking light shoots through it. Yeah, a real lightsaber. That's the 60 day wait. I don't know how I, I much that costs. That has to be so much money. My son and I were debating like how much is this, does that thing cost? And I'm like, no, 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 plastic. Like where's the fake plastic yeah. ones? And then she's pointing Holy me. Holy She pointed me in the right, right direction with all the other poor folks walking over there to the fucking I know, but plastic things. Those uh, places are so damn expensive. Uh, oh, it was... Uh, it was worth it. I mean, Star Wars was insane. Oh. oh my God. Okay. Anyway, we're talking about Jesse Helms. That, yeah. by the way, we need to do a Patreon and we probably just fucking did all of our Patreon right oh. here in the middle of this. All right. We'll thing. cut it. Do you want to just cut it out? No, no, no. <laughs> do it. Save it. It's fine. So oh. this piece of shit runs for Senate, right? And yes. he announces his candidacy in 1972. He took the Republican primary winning 92,496 votes over or 60% in the field right wow so they like him yeah well and plus he's he's on the radio every night they hear his voice yes he's familiar they know him right yeah i know so meanwhile democrats retired the ailing senator b everett jordan who lost his primary to congressman nick galifianakis does that name sound familiar <gasps> yeah that's what? right he's uncle to comedian zach galifianakis isn't that amazing wow so, <laughs> yeah and he kind of looks like him when I looked at his picture. Because I looked at the last name, I go, that sounds familiar. And I went to it. Yeah, sure enough, they're related. Wow. The latter represented the new politics of voters who included the young African-American voting uh, voters since federal legislation removed discriminatory restrictions and anti-establishment activists. So these are all the people who yes. are voting for him. And although he was a liberal by North Carolina standards, he did oppose busing to achieve integration in schools. Uh, polls put Galifianakis way ahead until late in the campaign, but Helms facing all but certain defeat hired a professional campaign manager, F Clifton white, giving him dictatorial, um, control over campaign strategy while Galifianakis uh. avoided mention of his party's presidential candidate, who was the liberal George McGovern. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> Bad. Helms employed the slogans of McGovern Galifianakis, one in the same. Vote for Jesse. Nixon uh -oh. needs him. Jesse, he's one of us. An impl imp implicit play suggesting his opponent's Greek heritage made him somehow less American. Uh -huh. Helms spent a record $654,000, <gasps> much of it going toward carefully crafted television commercials portraying him as a soft-spoken mainstream conservative. Uh. In the final six weeks of the campaign, Helms outspent Galifianakis three to one. See, this is, again, campaign Insane. finance reform. But this is how all his campaigns went. He yeah. did this going forward. He attacked them in, at every level. Right. It didn't matter and spent tons but, of fucking but money. But this is why it's not right because the average Joe cannot compete yeah. with the, the, the money flooding in from PACs, especially if you're a candidate that wants to be a grassroots candidate and not take money from like big corporations and mm -hmm. things like that. How do you compete with the airtime yeah. on podcasts on radio on television in newspapers on a, a billboard mm. you know it's yeah. not right they need to equal the playing field absolutely because it's only rich people that get to play yeah though the year was marked by democratic gains in the senate helms won 54 percent of the vote to galifianakis's 46 percent. he was elected as the first republican senator from the state since 1903 wow because remember Dixie yeah, okay. democrats yeah, yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah 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 and now it's switched yeah before senators were directly elected <clears throat> and when the republican party stood for a different tradition so helms was helped by richard nixon's gigantic landslide victory in that year's presidential election and nixon carried north carolina by 40 points which is a lot Helms would go on to be reelected re five times, six years for each term, wow. 30 fucking years. That's why that's, are Senate terms this long? Why, why do we have to so have Marco long? Rubio for six fucking years? Can you years? imagine 30 years of Marco Rubio? 
So he was elected in 1972, Ugh. 79, 85, 91, and 97. And before we move on to where he stood on issues, which I'll do very briefly, I want to mention his 1991 campaign, which he won, but was really like, in my opinion, like so fucking dark. And it was discussed and talked about a lot, but still it was like so fucked up. So he was running against Democratic uh, candidate Harvey Gantt, who was running to be the first black U.S. senator from North Carolina. And he was before this, he was the uh, first black mayor of Charlotte, North Carolina. In his own right, like incredibly accomplished man and like the first black student at Clemson and he married the second black student at Clemson and they had children together and like just amazing man architect started his own firm like still to this day a very like uh, well established firm in, in Charlotte, North Carolina like he's just this brilliant man. And this motherfucker goes after him and it's, it's insane. So during the campaign, the North Carolina GOP and others mailed over 125,000 notices, almost exclusively to black voters, (gasps) telling them that they were not eligible to vote (gasps) and warned that if they went to the polls, they could be prosecuted for voter fraud. The GOP does that today. They went down to the old folks in Miami and changed their voters from Democrat to Republican. This is last year. And and they're going to have people at the polls. Yeah. They have these operatives at the polls telling them they can't vote. At the behest of the several civil rights groups and the Democratic National Party, the U.S. Department of Justice sued the Helms campaign, the the North Carolina GOP, four lobbying firms, and two individual lobbyists. Thomas Farr, campaign manager for Helms, disavowed any knowledge of the dirty tricks, which was shown to be false when his handwritten notes were discovered, where he's telling people to do this shit. The uh, affected parties acknowledged and agreed to the Justice Department ruling and were forced to desist from any other such such activities. it was already that's too late. It. That's it. Nothing else <gasps> happened to them. Nothing. No fines. Nothing. Such garbage. In a close race, Helms also aired. This is fucked up. And I have the video in our notes and I have a snapshot of it for the, my pictures for Instagram. But in a close race, Helms also aired a late running television commercial titled Hands that showed a white man's hand crumpling up a rejection notice from a company that gave the job to a less qualified <gasps> minority. Some critics claimed uh, the ad utilized subtextual racist themes, but it was also, it was playing into, um, oh God, what was it called? Um, Affirmative action. So affirmative action was a huge thing in the 90s, right? right? And so that's what it's like, oh, you're a white person, you're losing your job to a black person. And that's what it was playing into. Like, you know, give this Senate job to a white person, right? So I'll make sure that we're okay. Wow. Yeah. The advertisement was produced by Alex Castellanos, um, who Helms would employ until his company was dropped in April 1996 after running an unusually hard-hitting ad. So he kept hiring these people. Another Helms television commercial accused Gant of running a, quote, secret campaign in homosexual communities and of being committed to, quote, mandatory gay rights laws, end quote, including requiring local schools to hire gay teachers. (laughs) Helms uh, obviously went on to win 52 to 47%. So it was close, but like... Come on. Some of the things he voted against while he was in Senate, because um, he said he's for the every man, right? Like he's for the U.S. He's for every American. Uh, he really hated foreign that means, policy. That, that means he's for no one. Yeah. When they say but, for everyone, it means they're for no one. Right. <laughs> but then you look at his record, right? So for farmers, he voted against soil conservation, federal crop insurance for hail damage, and temporary protection for foreclosures during the farm crisis. As chair of agriculture, the Agricultural Committee, he failed to take action on a bill making it easier for farmers to get drought relief and other disaster assistance. Nice. 
Veterans. He voted against $80 million in pensions and $100 million in home loans. No. Supported massive cuts in medical care for disabled veterans. Opposed job training for unemployed veterans of Korea and Vietnam War. Why? And compensation for military personnel exposed to nuclear tests. <gasps> like what? Why? That seems like a no fucking brainer. Yeah. Right? And, and aren't you all about the military? Yeah. The elderly oh, re- no. repeatedly voted to freeze or cut costs of living increases and in social security benefits, opposed funds for meals on wheels and Medicare. One of nine senators to vote against medical, co- medical coverage for prescription drugs <laughs> Chil- for, for children voted against summer jobs for inner city teens, shelters for battered women and children, <gasps> nutrition for mothers during pregnancy and social security benefits for children in foster care. Why? Opposed safety standards for daycare centers. What? what? <laughs> doesn't make any sense for workers he voted against tax cuts for working families 60-day notification of plant closings parental leave job training for those on welfare and increasing the minimum wage of four to 455 an hour the environment uh, of course oh, you don't give a God. fuck about this voted against controlling asbestos <gasps> double hulls on tankers to protect against oil spills you know inside the yeah sewage treatment facilities and the clean air and clean water act I, I, introduced I, I, a bill to outlaw new wilderness areas to protect them, right? Yeah. Use threat of filibuster to reduce industry fees for cleaning up toxic waste. I, I mean, you would um, think that toxic waste, asbestos, yeah. like, wh- why are these? Probably because, because so, it would affect the company, bed. right? Yeah, like he's in the, bed with a company yeah, and he got a ton company, of money that, that yeah. paid for all of those stupid ads that he yes, put out. Yes, that's right. Uh, education. He proposed cuts in school lunches, voted against funds for vocational education, Head Start programs for disadvantaged preschoolers, and Jesus. special education for the disabled. One of four senators to oppose work-study jobs for college students. <laughs> Abortion. Well, we know where we stand on this. Oh, in 1980, during his second term, Helms and Robert K. Dornan again proposed, this is the second time, his second term, an amendment banning abortion in all circumstances and also proposed a bill defining fetuses as human beings, thereby taking it out of the hands of the federal courts, along with Illinois Republican Henry Hyde and Kentucky Democrat Romano Mazzoli. More successfully, Helms passed an amendment banning federal funds from being used for abortions unless the woman's life is in danger. Wow. I, I just... <laughs> Again, we talked about this for thirty every, years. every week for the last three, 30 four weeks. years. But like someone's whole life. Yeah. But like, you know, who says the life's in danger? Like who's who's making that judgment? Right. If you go to a Catholic hospital and you've got a Catholic doctor, like that their view is it's gonna di- be different. Of, of course. It's gonna come into play. So um Can they make atheist hospitals? <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. I gotta tell you, when I'm I was serious. pregnant with my son, when I was pregnant with my son, they were, there was something showing an abnormality on him when they did a measurement, which I think the measurement was off. The girl who took the measurement was like 20. And I'm like, this bitch can't count. All right. Like something <laughs> was off. But my doctor at a Catholic hospital, I don't think she was Catholic, but she was like, I just need you to know that you have this many weeks to make a decision of what you want to do. Basically saying, if you want to have an abortion, like you have to do it soon because you're running out of time. Right. And I can't do that for you here. So you need to, we need to figure a plan out. Right. Like. My husband was furious, but I was like, well, she's giving me a heads up. Right. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Anyway, so race. We know he's a fucking all out racist. He opposed busing black students into white schools, the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act. Helms called the Civil Rights Act of 1964, quote, the single most dangerous piece of legislation ever introduced in Congress, end quote. In 1982, he voted against the extension of the Voting Rights Act. So he's, he's also- the most dangerous yeah. piece in uh 
uh, uh, the legislature. That's, Absolutely. That, that's what it is. So here's say. something else that he's famous for. In 1983, Helms led the 16-day filibuster in the Senate. 16 days? 16 days. How do you even do that? Because I think they tag team. Uh. Hey. <laughs> Uh-oh. Woo! Tag team. <laughs> um, so they did this opposing the, the proposed establishment of Martin Luther King Day as a federal holiday. You you have got to be kidding me. This is what he's famous for. Helms and others claimed- This is what he's others, wasting other things, everybody's like, time on. Yeah. Helms and others claimed, quote, another federal holiday would be costly for the economy. Oh, quote. my God. Although the Congressional Budget Office cited a cost of $18 million, Helms claimed it would cost $12 billion a year. Helms distributed a 300-page packet claiming that the civil rights leader was a political radical <gasps> who adopted action-oriented Marxism and, detail, and detailing King, Dr. King's supposed treachery in which he accused King of, quote, appearing to have welcomed collaboration with communists. Helms ended, ended, uh, let me join. Yeah, Helms ended the filibuster in exchange for a new tobacco bill. Uh, <laughs> so he did all of this because North Carolina is big tobacco. Yes. Right? He did all of this. Came, like, how much of course, money did he get? He for doesn't all care of this. how much he looks like a racist because he's everybody knows well, and he's, he's fucking old, racist. And he gets money. Yeah. And but he did all shit? of this for Reagan to give him a bill for his state. Like that's how fuck. And also, I mean, again, I, I, I don't like uh new Gingrich. I don't, you know, I, I, I get all that, but like the way that they manipulate to get what they want is fucking it's insane. Brilliant. And I wish Democrats would do it. I, I, do I too. wish we would do it. I do too. Just fill a bill. Or just, so you or get just what you want. yeah. Like just do something. Yeah. Filibuster to end the filibuster? Yeah. Can we do that? <laughs> so he wants this new tobacco <laughs> bill, right? So President Reagan signs this bill on October 9th, 1983. And so he gets what he wants. And then Helms then demanded the FBI surveillance tapes, alleging detailing, uh, allegedly detailing philandering of King on King's part to be released. Although Ronald Reagan and the courts refused. Yeah. Who cares? He wants to like just take down Martin Luther King Jr. I mean, come on. The conservatives attempted to rename the day national equality day <laughs> or national civil rights day yeah like you give a fuck like you fucking care but they that failed and the wow. bill was passed of course as I we mean, know we celebrate because they can't King. honor a black man yeah they cannot honor his name no writing in watch in the washington post several years later david broder who was a reporter attributed helms opposition to the mlk holiday to racism on helms part well, hello surprise yeah so here we are, Pride Month, and this is how I know this motherfucker. I remember him from the 90s and when it was really important to throw money into HIV, right. uh, you know, um, what's it called? What am I thinking? What? Research. Thank you. HIV research and trying to figure out this disease that's a mystery. Nobody knows what's going on. We've talked about it several times and like... So this motherfucker, of course, because he's super religious, uh, you know, says some of the most fucking heinous things you've ever heard on the Senate floor about the LGBTQ community, especially gay men, of oh. course, because they were the prominent uh, right. HIV uh, cases. So he said, quote, nothing positive happened to Sodom and Gomorrah and nothing positive is likely to happen to America if our people succumb to the drumbeats of support for the homosexual lifestyle, end quote. Wow. Helms had a negative view of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender people and LGBTQ rights in the United States. 
He called homosexuals, quote, weak, morally sick wretches, end quote, and tried to cut funding for the National Endowment for the Arts for supporting the, quote, gay-oriented artwork of photographer Robert Maplethorpe, end quote. Come on. Who's a genius. Come genius. on. Have you seen his photos? Oh, come oh, on. So fucking good. I mean, my God. In 1993, when then President Bill Clinton wanted to appoint an out lesbian Robert, uh, Roberta Actenberg, to assistant secretary of the Department of Housing and Urban Development, Helms held up the confirmation because, quote, because she's a damn lesbian, end <gasps> quote. Adding, quote, she's not your garden variety lesbian. She's a militant activist, mean lesbian, end quote. <sighs> your garden variety? Like, so what? He Sounds fun to me. I, I know, mean, I'm what? Mean. He also stated, quote, I'm not going to put a lesbian in a position like that. If you want to call me a bigot, fine, end quote. Yeah. <laughs> When Clinton urged that gays be allowed to serve openly in the armed forces, Helms said that the president, quote, better have a bodyguard, end quote, if he ever visited North Carolina. Can he say that? Threatening the president of the <laughs> yeah, United States. Yeah, can he do that? He initially fought against increasing federal funding for HIV research and treatment, saying the disease resulted from unnatural and disgusting homosexual behavior. In 1993... He voted against confirming Ruth Bader Ginsburg to the Supreme Court. He cited her support for the, quote, homosexual agenda as one of the reasons for doing so. Oh, my God. In his 2017 memoir, Logical Family, gay author Armistead Maupin recalls that Helms described homosexuality as, quote, an abomination when he was working for him as a young wow. man. Wow. In 1987, Helms added an amendment to the Supplemental Appropriations Jesus. Act, which directed the president to use executive authority to add HIV infection to the li list of excludable diseases that prevent both travel and immigration to the United States. Wow. Yeah. Uh, the action was opposed by the U.S. Public Health wow. Service. Congress restored the executive authority to remove HIV from the list of excludable conditions in the 1990 Immigration Reform Act. And in January 1991, Secretary of Health and Human Services Louis Sullivan announced he would delete HIV from the list of excludable um, conditions. But a letter writing campaign headed by Helms ultimately convinced President H.W. Bush not to lift the ban and left the United States as the only industrialized nation in the world to prohibit travel based on HIV status. This is a sexually transmitted disease. You're not, I, unless you're fucking in the bathroom yeah. of the plane, which, right. hey, uh, I don't know what's going on. Although I could never do it. My ass is too big to get in that bathroom. Like, <laughs> I would attempt it, but honey, it'd be a lot of noise in that bathroom. I'd be like, no, my leg. Okay, but like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? It's fucked he's, up. He's, that this is what he's spending his time on. Like, he's spending his yeah. time on this to, to do a whole letter writing campaign and to, this is a lot of work. Yeah. Let it get, what, and can you imagine how many letters for the president to be like, oh, we gotta, yeah. we gotta keep this, <laughs> my God. I mean- the travel ban was also responsible for the cancellation of the 1992 in International AIDS Conference in Boston. <gasps> People are like, we can't even have this in America because they don't, nobody oh can come to it. Oh my God. On January 5th, 2010, the 22-year-old ban was lifted after having been signed by President Barack Obama on October 30th, 2009. The New York Times stated that I Helms- I can't believe it was that long. I know. The New York Times stated that Helms was bitterly opposed to federal financing for research and treatment of AIDS, which he believed was God's punishment for homosexuals. I love like I love this whole it's God's will yeah. it's God's way it's yeah. it, it, it's so stupid he introduced an amendment in 1987 spending uh, a spending bill that prohibited the use of federal tax dollars for any AIDS educational materials that would promote quote promote or encourage directly or indirectly homosexual activities end quote <laughs> 
Opposing the Kennedy Hatch AIDS bill in 1988, Helm stated, quote, there is not one single case of AIDS in this country that cannot be traced in origin to sodomy, end quote. Which isn't true. Like we know right. this. It's a blood disease. You know, right. it goes through. The, you know. So when Ryan White died in right. 1990, his mother went to Congress to speak to politicians on behalf of people with AIDS. She spoke to 23 representatives. Helms refused to speak to Gene White, oh even when God. she was alone with him in an <gasps> elevator. No. Yeah. Would not talk to him. No. So Would not she, talk to like, her. Just ignored her. Yep. And she's like, please talk to me. Yeah. Her, my, her son is dead. Was it her son had died at this Yes, point? yes. From a blood transfusion. Wow. I don't know, Ryan White, if everybody remembers. Yes. But he got it as a child through a blood transfusion. Because right. he was a hemophiliac. Yes. And she's like, please talk to me. What a disgusting How many, man. We've talked about this before. I covered this, the, the way that the government, I think one, yeah. of the, one of our first episodes, how the government reacted to the AIDS crisis and how they disregarded people. But like how many lives could have been saved with, through the blood transfusion, right. checking the blood. Right. Like we knew it was through the bloodstream. Why didn't we do that? You're refusing to talk to this woman. Children have died because of it. Other people, adults have died from receiving that blood. Why can't you just pass a law that makes sure the blood is checked? What the fuck? so fucked up so he's so yeah. just after his own interests despite his opposition of course the ryan white care act was passed in 1990 which is, of course is to make sure that the blood is tested before uh, giving to anybody so the last thing is this which i found hilarious in his final year in the senate 2003 God, because of his so new, long <laughs> because of his new friendship with the rock star bono he started Bono. Oh, the pictures. I got pictures How in our is notes. He like, you so should look at pictures of these two dopes. with Bono? Oh, they became good friends. How? Why? Well, what, did, what was Bono big on? The AIDS crisis, yeah. right? He was all over the world with the AIDS crisis, yeah. right? So, so how, how did... He, Bono goes to him and like sits down with him and he was probably like starstruck, right? Can you imagine mysterious well, ways this motherfucker singing like he's I a know, YouTube but fan. He's, like, he's, he's a, a YouTube, YouTube fan. He's like an old YouTube fan. <laughs> Does he have those but, weird glasses? No, he like had those glasses. He thinks he's he, a, wasn't he like, starstruck. But wasn't he like super short? Oh, he does look short in the pictures. Yeah. How tall do you think he I is? I think he's like one of these dudes that's like five, 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 six. I wow. think he's like a tiny dude. I could be entirely wrong. Yeah, but on that stage, he looks like a fucking monster rock star, oh right? Oh my like God. Dead. Everybody get behind a mic. All of a sudden they're like, Ay. <laughs> he's so funny. But so, I, I, I don't get this relationship. I don't know. So he goes, I, he goes I, there. He, not, he becomes friends with Helms and he convinces him to support uh, AIDS measures in Africa because but not and, in the here's, US. and here's and here's not how, in the US. No. And here's how here's how fucked up Helms is. This is how fucked up this fucking man is. He supports it because the main way that it's transmitted in Africa is through heterosexual sex. It's not through homosexual sex the way it is in America. This man. That's how Bono probably, you know, listen. God bless Bono. He probably went to every door and was like, all right, how do I, how, what's this person for? Yes. What's their, okay, yes. he's against homosexuals. I'll tell him it's straight people. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's how he got people to, on board. He had dinner with his guy. There's pictures go, of them at dinner he's, together. He's got to sit with arm this piece arm. of garbage. Yeah, but he, whatever. But you know what? <gasps> Is Bono Irish? Maybe <gasps> Bono. Bono! 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 Can you come on Little Muck and talk to us about your advocacy in the yes. 90s? <gasps> look, at, look how cute we are. 
We can five talk to star, you. Wait, five star quality. <laughs> That's what Tina did. Whoever did five star quality. Oh my God. Bono. Maybe it's Bono. What? Oh, oh, or oh, what? The what? Edge. The Edge. His guitar the player. Edge. The edge. Yes, the Edge. We just started thinking the same thing at the yes. same time. Oh, we are so, bu- this is so <sighs> fucked. Oh my God. We're the same person. <gasps> The basically, Wait, basically. Maybe the Edge and Bono will come on yeah. Lil Buck. Let's talk about how all right, I would I'm sending to, an email. I'm I sending only, an email. It could be a 10 minute conversation, and all I want to know is what was the conversation yes. when you went to talk to Jesse? How did Helms? you do it? What how? happened? How? How, how, how was it? Yeah. How and did who you else him? did you talk to that like, yeah. maybe we don't know about? Because the pictures that I have of him, like with, um, there was another guy from Pennsylvania who ran for president a bunch of times. He's in the picture too. And it's like a staunch anti gay, anti everything. Like, this guy, he's at dinner with all these guys. Wow. Just to get them to support Good for him. AIDS research in Africa. Good for him. Yeah. So anyway, that's Jesse Helms. Hi. What? And bye, you dead piece of shit. Oh, dang. Oh my God. There was an interview with him. Like he died of cancer. Like he retired because he was sick. Uh. And so he goes away, but he's in this interview and he had those, he's like a Mitch McConnell with those thin little baby lips like uh. this. Oh, you can't and he trust just someone says, with thin lips. And I, I believe in the interview. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, Oh, hey. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> in the interview, he's like, and he starts to get a little teary eyed. And I'm like, yeah, I bet you're crying. You piece of shit. You know where you're going. You're going to fucking hell. Right. Ooh. And he was like, I just want people to remember me for all the good work. What that good I work? Did it doesn't North sa- Carolina. And it never, it never <laughs> <laughs> to cry. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, I can't wait for the devil to stick his hand right up your ass. Oh my The devil's going to bend over and be like, let's talk about homosexuality. <gasps> Real quick. Here's my monster. Uh, devil dick right up your ass Jesse Helms <laughs> Tina. we're going too far no I don't think so I don't think so <laughs> fuck you Jesse Helms fuck you <gasps> fuck you wow and also fuck it. North oh. Carolina voters who kept this yeah, motherfucker in years. office for 30 years come on 30 years I mean, it's too long. That's part of that movie. Outrage is like they're closeted people who who are voting against LGBTQ. This guy was out, 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 not gay, but like out there hating everybody. And we still, what do you? Yeah, maybe he was. Maybe he was self hating. Who knows? But like, he's out there, and you're still electing him. What the fuck, Mm. Tina? I need to get more coffee. Okay, me too. Hey, I'm Pantsless Aaron. This is Stevie. And I'm Augie. And we are BFYTW, a podcast all about playing games and having fun. Our games are usually based on British panel shows and game shows, but we'll play anything that captures our attention and imagination. Why? It's right there in the title. You'll never guess what the F stands for. Today, I'm going to tell you the story of a New Mexico judge and director of the Oregon Department of Corrections, oh. Michael Frankie. Okay. So I don't know if you've heard about this, but um, Michael Frankie had a solid legal career in the criminal justice system in New Mexico and was appointed as director of the Oregon Department of Corrections in 1987. But when he's found dead at work, (gasps) it sparks decades of conspiracy theories. What? Is it still unsolved? Kind of. Oh my God. There's like this... um, whole podcast it's like a 12 part podcast just on this story so like i'm uh just giving what's the name of the podcast it's called murder in oregon okay yeah 
So our story takes place in Salem, Oregon, which is in Marion County. And one website said that this was the most Oregon part of Oregon. Oh, <laughs> whatever okay. that means. <laughs> I mean, I'm imagining big old trees. Yeah. Rain. Yeah. It's got like, you know, the historical sites and museums. It's like a small town feel for a city. Love it. It's got that vibe. Love it. And some background on Michael Frankie. Uh, according to his alumni page from University of Virginia, he was born in 1946. He grew up in Missouri. And in the 60s, he went to college on a football scholarship. So I, listening to um, that podcast, they talked to his two brothers. He's got like a brother that's older, and then he has a brother that's younger. And so the two of them kind of like talked about uh, Michael Frankie as like a young person. And he was sort of like this all-American athlete. Mm. I think he was one of those, um, you know, where he lettered in like three different sports. Amazing, and, you know. Yeah. So he goes to college on this football scholarship. And I think he had like two different scholarships, but one offered him like a full ride or whatever. Nice. And then he went on to the University of Virginia Law School and he earned his law degree in 1971. Mm. Then he passes the bar and he works as a judge advocate for the Navy for three years. So that's what he does. And then he moves back to New Mexico. And in 1975, he starts working as an assistant attorney general to the State Department of Corrections. So he kind of does most of his sort of law work in like correctional okay. area. So that's how he's sort of involved with like the prison system and all of that. Yeah. And then in 1980, he becomes a judge for the first district court and he serves for three years before for becoming that director of the New Mexico Department of Corrections. Mm. So he's moving up in this field. And the alumni site notes that he was credited for reforming the New Mexico prison system. It doesn't say like exactly how, um, but I did find there was like an award in his honor mm. that cited that there was like this 1980 uh, prison riot in New Mexico that left 33 inmates dead. Holy cow. And he was on a team that offered like solutions to help rebuild the Department of Corrections and prevent future riots from happening. Dang. So that was like the work that he did. So then in 1987, so he probably got sort of known in the prison sort of, I don't want to say the prison community, but in the correctional yeah. system community. And in 1987, Frankie is appointed by Oregon Governor Neil Goldschmidt as director of the Oregon Department of Corrections. Wow. But two years later, you know, he's killed. Jeez. So he's not there for very long. All right. So let's go into the day in question. Oh my so God. So Unsolved Mysteries, um, there's like the Unsolved Mysteries website, there's the Unsolved Mysteries wiki, and that, they had a lot of information about like the day in question. And so I'm kind of referencing that for this. So um, according to the wiki, Frankie finished up a staff meeting around seven o'clock at night on January the 16th, 1989. And then about 30 minutes later, two of his colleagues are like leaving work and they notice that the light was on in his car mm. and that the driver's side door is open. Oh boy. Right? Oh no. And that's weird. So they're like, where is he? Yeah. So they try to page him because this is at the time of pager. So they're paging him, no response. And they found that really weird because he was like the type of guy where you paged him and he like got back to you immediately. Wow. So they're like, what the hell's going and on? He's not in the car. He's not in the car. He's not near the car. So it seems like he ran out of this car or maybe or, saw something. Or opened his car or, door. Something. Something right? happened. Maybe somebody so, else opened a door and pulled him out. All right. I mean, something. Just right. Guessing. But he's yeah. like leaving work. Okay, right. Yes. So they decide to go search for him and they can't find him anywhere. Like they're searching the whole grounds of Holy the prison. Shit. Right. And at 930, they go home because they're like, we don't see him anywhere. Yeah. 
So later that night in the early evening hours of January 17th, around 12.45 a.m., okay. Frankie was found stabbed to death outside of what? the Department of Corrections building. What? what they were, they, these are the same grounds right, they were searching? Yes, <gasps> yes. They find him like oh in God. this sort of like area that um, there was a door and it seemed like he was, had tr- he broken the glass to try to get into the building. What the fuck? But he like died at the door. How, what? Yes. This is insane. It's insane. So there was this broken window and his briefcase gone. Right. Okay. But it's a little weird because it's like, well, you walked around, you searched. Nobody's like, robbing him. No, Something else. This is, you know, to throw off the scent. So there's a lot of theories out there. Okay. Oh and we'll get into some of them. Oh God, and so I excited. really think you should listen to the podcast. Yes. It like, sounds amazing. It's like 12 episodes long. Oh and the, the first couple are like a lot of Getting to know him. Yeah. yeah. So if you want all like the nitty gritty, definitely check that out. So the big question like surrounding a case was like, who would do this? Like, right. why did this happen? Right. And um, Willamette Weeks' Nigel Jacquis offers a detailed timeline, and I'm going to kind of refer to that okay. along with those other sources. So they find Frankie, right? But what they don't find is a murder weapon. So there's no knife laying okay. around, and it was never recovered. The brothers on the podcast say that uh, the older brother says that when he was first contacted, um, by someone from the prison about his, regarding his brother's death, mm-hmm. he was told that his brother was shot. What? Then he finds out that he's stabbed, and he thought that that was a little bit oh, odd. Oh no! Right? Is this like an inside job? Maybe? So that's so. This is what like the brother starts thinking like oh, something sh- isn't cover right. up, cover up. So in 1990, after several investigations, the police arrest this guy named Frank Gable. And they claim that Gable attempted to steal Frankie's car and it was a botched carjacking. But a lot of people don't think Gable is guilty and they certainly don't think it's only about this car. Right. They claim that Gable attacked Frankie at his car when he was heading home. So like he gets off of work, which would have been around 7 p.m. But a lot of people argue that a carjacking couldn't be the reason because one, Frankie had a car alarm. So if he had broken into the car, he had this like high end alarm system the alarm would have been going off, right? And apparently there was no blood near the car. There was no evidence of a struggle. There was nothing near the yeah, car. This is so Like weird. if it was a yeah. carjacking, like why is he now at this other part of the building stabbed? Where nobody saw him before. Yeah, like it's hours later. He's yeah, there. Like, it doesn't. What was he doing on those hours he was missing? It doesn't make sense. So Gable though is found guilty in oh, 1991. Oh, come on. He's sentenced to life without parole. God damn. And according to Jacques, the um, prosecutors, they lined up like this slew of drug dealers uh-huh. and former felons who all took the stand and they all stated that Gable admitted to murdering Frankie, like that they, like he personally told them that he was responsible for this. So they're like, oh that's what gosh. they're testifying to. But then like, this is where like sort of the conspiracy theories start. Many believe that Frankie may have stumbled upon some shady business Mm. within the prison. This is what I'm thinking. And he was about to talk about it. Yeah. And that's why he got killed. And they got all these people to say. Yes. Yeah. So according to the Unsolved Mysteries page, uh, allegedly Frankie told his family that he was investigating corruption (gasps) in the Oregon prison system, as well as drug trafficking. And he was again, allegedly going to name names. Oh, no. So supposedly he was doing the secret investigation. He interviewed guards who had corroborated and admitted to bringing illegal items like weapons and drugs into the prison. Oh, no. And he supposedly told his sister 
that he was going to go to the legislature to present his findings. Oh, shit. The day after he was killed was the day he was supposed <gasps> to present his findings. Come on. This, right? What's the conspiracy? So, this is so, it. So when he told his sister that, it was like four days later, he's dead. Oh, my right? God. So I can see why the family's like, no, there's something else going on. Yeah. He did not get killed by this carjacker. Yeah. So the Statesman Journal reported that in 1989, the FBI was investigating a potential connection between corruption at the state prison and Frankie's death. But that tip then comes through that notes that Gable had some involvement and like they kind of go that that direction and like that whole other thing just doesn't go through. Wow. So they put together this theory, when, and this aired in 1991. So they believe that Frankie was abducted by three men in a van. And this is like the unsolved mysteries, like uh, they're, right. it's what they think. And they think that he was abducted at his car, mm-hmm. thrown in this van, okay. taken somewhere, yes, right? Um, and then returned to his office and killed. And the implication is that they were high officials who didn't want Frankie to report yeah. what was going on. So um, Gable, though, when he was charged, he was charged for six counts of aggravated murder. Oh, my God, um, dude. And one count of murder. And like I said, he's sentenced. So the aftermath of all of this, uh, according to Maxine Bernstein of the Oregonian, the witnesses who claim that Gable confessed to them have all recanted. Oh, my God. And not only that, but there's this website. It's called Coffee or Die. Is and this guy still in the fuck in prison? So oh, I we'll know. see. You're we'll see. Get we'll see. Yeah. Oh, so God. one of the witnesses who recanted claimed that law enforcement oh. paid her to lie. What in the fuck? This is so <laughs> clear. What are we talking about here? Wow. What's the, no, this isn't a conspiracy. This is there are like facts. The, there's things happening. Come on. So but in 2019... Judge John Acosta ruled to release uh, uh, Gable. And he had this to say, according to Jacques' okay. uh, Willamette Weekly article, quote, although the evidence presented at trial in 1991 resulted in a guilty verdict, the court concludes that it is more likely than not that no reasonable juror would find Gable guilty in light of the totality of all the evidence uncovered since that time, particularly the newly presented evidence of witness recantations. Wow. So he's like, yeah, like this probably wouldn't hold up and he lets him go. And in February of 2022, and now this is still kind of ongoing. So like when he says that he's like, you know, um, he's like, we're letting him go. Then the state has like a certain amount of time that they can like try to say, we're going to fight this to keep him Mm -hmm. in jail. And in February of this year, the state went before a three-judge panel to try and re-jail Gable. What the fuck? Um, and so far, I mean, I looked, I did not see any issue of their decision yet. That's messed up, man. You yeah. know what? What really pisses me off, and I know you're going to get, you've got more of your story, you're going to get to it, but like what really fucking pisses me off is this clearly, to me, in my opinion, an inside job where they knew they could manipulate the right. justice system right. to, to wrongfully convict somebody, to get the heat off of them, and then paid other people to go along with it. Yes. That is so it's so up. messed up. And how are you part of a correctional department? <laughs> like the irony and, of it all. Yeah. yeah. And like, and manipulate well, and, the, and the justice thing, system. That thing that was interesting too, that the brothers talked about is when they heard, so there was like some high official that had gone to the building um, and was calling people mm-hmm. about Frankie but like doesn't go to, they don't go to Frankie's office. And he's like, it's so weird. Like he just starts making fun. Like he, like that, that maybe there was this expectation that Frankie was going to be found dead 
and the office is like a you know like a fake suicide because he had lost I can't remember Frankie lost his son or he had lost someone to suicide so I think they thought like they were going to try to set that like make it look like that do something like that I believe um so one thing that's interesting is that Frankie's own brothers uh, Patrick and Kevin, they don't believe that Gable is guilty. And they even issued a statement in support of Gable to the courts in 2019. Good men. And according to Willamette Week, they wrote, quote, we are happy in the extreme that the very real probability that Frank Gable will be released and his freedom is within sight. The state can no longer afford to manufacture a case built on lies and half-truths. Yeah. I mean, and the fact that like, this is his family saying this guy didn't yeah. do it. And you're, and, and what they're saying is the state is saying, yes. it's like he, they know they're up against an entire system of people who are fucking shady and doing, manipulating things behind the, behind yes. the curtain. That's scary. It's scary. And yeah. Bernstein of the Oregonian reported that one brother, Kevin, said that if they go after Gable again, that he, he will quote, come after them with pitchforks and shovels because there is absolutely no more inhumane thing they can do because Frank Gable is an innocent man. What a beautiful family. You know? My like, God. Wow. What wonderful people. So another thing that I thought was interesting is there's like this mysterious person, the man in the pinstripe suit. Ooh, I like this. So, you know, they're at the prison, uh, like at, this, at the correctional facility and- there was this guy in a suit that like appeared to be like a pinstripe suit. And there was one place that he was kind of walking back and forth, which was sort of near Frankie's office. And this is why I think the family thinks that it was supposed to be like this. He was going to kill him and stage the suicide kind of thing. Um, but they were like that Frankie normally came in and out through a different entrance. And he was sort of more near the main entrance. Mm, and okay. the lady who was in charge of like um, human resources or whatever was like, who is this guy, right? She didn't recognize him. And then other people supposedly saw this guy working on a copy machine. So they assume like, oh, the cop, you know, like, because that happens. In like, a suit? Yeah. I mean, I've never seen a person in a suit, but at the time period, maybe, who knows, yeah. you know? Um, but I know like I've gone into uh, the copy room and there's a guy working on the copy machine because yeah. you got to call the people in and, like if it goes too far. Mm -hmm. So they see this guy working on the copy machine and the parts everywhere, Right. But then he leaves. In the pinstripe suit? Yes, he Sweet. leaves. And, but the copy machine is not fixed. Like he just went and took stuff. So Come on, he's checking yes, the place out to yes. see where he can so go, where very, he needs to walk in. Yes, it's very odd. By the way, don't call. And it was like the same thing. How are the people thing? in this place? Yeah. I'm well, here to fix the copier. But I mean, if you, I don't, I've walked in and seen a guy on a copier and I've never questioned it. But in a it. pinstripe suit? The they, suit is no, a weird thing. No, I'd say, <laughs> sir, I think you're overdressed for the job. <laughs> I don't think so. So there was also this armed robber who claimed that he drove a local drug dealer, this guy named Tim uh, Natividad, mm -hmm. uh, to the crime scene as a hired hit. <gasps> and that it was a state prison official who took out the hit. <gasps> but that guy happened to be killed in a domestic dispute a few weeks after Frankie. And so it never know. went anywhere. Wow. And there was another theory that was offered by this website, Coffee or Die, that was going around, which was that the former assistant attorney general of Oregon, this guy, Scott McAllister, he resigned a few weeks before Frankie's death. And he may have been involved. So allegedly an ex-girlfriend heard him on the phone saying it was a botched hit. And again, supposed to look like that suicide but p.s that McAllister ends up in jail anyway because they found child porn on his computer oh for fuck's sake 
And then another thing I found interesting was that in the original filings, a man named Johnny Krause, uh, a petty thief, confessed to killing Frankie in a crime gone wrong, but nothing came of that because he recanted and they never followed up, even though what he said matched up with the physical evidence. So there's wow. this, still this other person. So that's like this story. Like they, so wow. they really don't know. Was it that he, because he was sort of like this straight and arrow kind of guy. I mean, yes, you know, and, he is and, and his brothers are, which is incredible. You know, was brought in to maybe clean things up and then sort of stumbled on, oh, oh these guards God. are involved in this thing. He's going to go report it. Oh my and God. And now that report never happened. That's and, so sad. It's yeah. so, so, sad. and that is just, I mean, it's such an overview of the story, but yeah. like it I was like, this is wild. It's clear that that's what's happening. It's been a long time since we've known this. Did anybody continue the investigation and figure out like who he was investigating? Because I I think you can find the murderer in there somewhere. The thing that is so weird is that they did not find him, that they walked the perimeter of that building. That's weird. Yes. I think- And that they didn't find him. And if someone is being carjacked, there would be some- evidence of a struggle something on the car something somewhere here's what i think and he's running off i think the van story so i think somebody pulled up who he knew maybe had a gun and just said, threw get him, in the get, van get in the van and he walked into the van and they left they killed him somewhere else and then dumped the body back at the fucking prison and there was a um security guard too that saw like from a distance thought that he saw michael uh, frankie walk what he thought was michael frankie walking to where they found the body and they said that he was walking casually, like he wasn't, you know, there was nothing urgent or like he looked normal. But then during the testimony, it changed. Like they, like they worked with him, you know what oh I mean? To uh, change like what they saw. So and, fucking scary. Yeah, It's very scary. It's very scary. And they go like in the podcast, like they go with one of the uh, interviewers to the prison and mm-hmm. they're like, this is where he came in. This is where, you know, and like, it's like, uh, they said it was like a memorial for them, you know, like that space. I'm surprised that terrible. he, terrible. You know, you know, you're tr- you think you're a good guy and you're and you're gonna take down the bad guys, which is obviously what he right. was doing. I'm sure he didn't expect to find whatever he found, but he was doing the right thing. And I'm surprised that he didn't take more precaution. Oh moving well, around. well they said so when he went, they went to his house like after um, he died, mm-hmm. and he had a gun. Like in his room, he had oh a gun God. under his pillow. See, he probably he felt was safe worried. At, at he work, was worried, but he probably felt safe yeah. coming out of work. Like no one's going to come get yeah. me at the prison, right? Right? Yeah. So he he definitely oh this poor was man. worried. This poor yeah. man and stabbed is awful. Oh my God, Being awful. And yeah, and I'm wondering if they did want to do like a stage suicide, and his marriage was sort of ending. Oh God. Um, and it, it just I, I don't know. This is terrible. Yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah. It's wild. I'm so. This is just so sad. I know. I'm sorry. What are we gonna do? But that's it. <laughs> that's my story. Well, <gasps> I know. I know. So tonight we get to celebrate <gasps> our friend Kate. Yay! Who, uh, our is, happy birthday, Kate. Uh, happy birthday, Kate. And it's her birthday yesterday. She's an amazing woman. It's so funny. I was. Thinking about her, I met her when our babies were babies. <gasps> she, they were three years old, and my Aww. daughter and her son um, met each other in preschool. 
Oh my God. Up the street. And uh, the teacher said to me, the sweetest boy and the sweetest girl have become friends because they're both very quiet and like, you know, (laughs) and then I met Kate. She was coming out of the, I was picking up my daughter from preschool one day and she was coming out and she goes, oh, you're Pam's mom. And I said, yeah, she goes, oh, my son and your daughter are really good friends. And I was like, oh, and I was like, where do you live? And she's like, just down the street. I'm like, me too. And we became really, really good friends. And our kids are still like best friends. They spend time together, except now they're 13 and they float around in her pool and curse the whole time. <laughs> and he co- or he rides his bike over here and I hear them in her room and she, and she's going and fucking this and fucking that and I'm like I excuse me. That's my son excuse too me. with the cursing. Oh my god. So they're adorable. Anyway, uh Happy she's amazing. Birthday. Yes. She is amazing. Happy birthday amazing. you sweet angel. She's Aww. been through so much and she's just the best loveliest person and angry and and hard as nails and fucking amazing Uh, so happy birthday you sweet baby angel (gasps) happy birthday yeah we would sing the whole thing but tina's a little shy to sing in public apparently uh except at karaoke (laughs) oh my god she stands up there and dances and sings for everybody (laughs) oh my god when are we gonna go to karaoke again i was thinking that last night like we have to plan that again it's so much fun okay well i think that's it that's it all right Bye. bye If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our blog at themuckpodcast.fireside.fm. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level. Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.